Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. On tonight's program, we go all over America Latina. We go to Argentina. We talk to the playwright behind Ghost Limb, a beautiful, moving story of the disappearances and the organizing resistance in Argentina during the Dirty War in the 1970s. We also go to Cuba and hear urban hip-hop coming from Cuba. We hear music that you won't hear anywhere else. We'll hear hip-hop cubano that is coming out right now. Cuban traditions and new rhythms that have never been mixed before. And last but not least, we bring you breaking news on what's happening at City College of San Francisco. All this and much more. Stay tuned. La Raza Chronicles is proud, thrilled, and happy to announce the birth of Camilia Antonia on July 5th at 10.15, weighing seven pounds of pure delight, intelligence, and good health. Su mamá, Brenda Yescas, our wonderful co-producer, let us know that she has a ton of positive energy and is very alert. Bienvenida Camilia Antonia a la familia. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Cusnid, and today we have on the line with us playwright Maricela Treviño Horta. We're talking to her about her play, which is premiering now. We're talking about the play Ghost Limb, which is set in Argentina during the Dirty War, and it speaks to the stories of the desaparecidos in Argentina, as well as the many people who resisted and rose up and challenged the military and U.S. intervention to address the violence that they experienced and the lug bonds they lost. Maricela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Maricela, I gave the one or two line overview of what your important play is about, but it is really a very unique, special opportunity that people are going to have to see this on stage at the Brava Theater in San Francisco. Can you tell us about your play? Well, you gave a great description. I mean, the play really is about a mother. And as many people who've studied the resistance in Argentina during that time period, they know what a critical role that mothers play, the, the madres in the Plaza de Mayo. So this play follows a mother whose son, he's college age, so he's not a child, but he's a young man who is disappeared by the government. He's abducted and imprisoned, and she goes on a journey to look for him and try and find him. And the world kind of breaks open and falls apart when he's taken from her and to try and capture the emotional trauma for a parent going through that kind of experience. Tell us about some of the other characters and some of the other pieces of this story for folks that maybe don't really know very much about what happened in Argentina. So yes, the play is set in the almost late 70s. And for those who don't know, uh, there was a military dictatorship that was installed in Argentina during that time. And they basically were torturing and imprisoning their own citizens. It was a very coordinated effort of repression to try and stamp out anybody who was speaking out against the government. This was happening throughout all of Latin America during this time period. And the play focuses on a family and a mother and a father and a son. And then the other characters in the play include military figures, as well as nods to the fact that the police and the church were involved and complicit in kind of hiding and in helping the government repress the people. So there are some characters that at times feel like metaphors. And I come from a poetry background, so I can't help but bring my poetics into my playwriting. So there's a lot of 
imagery that's important and metaphor that comes across visually in the play. Your play, Maricela Treviño Horta, your play Ghost Limb is going to be premiering at the Brava Theater, which is located on 24th Street in San Francisco's Mission District, which in many ways was a hub for people who have suffered intense political repression, who have fled their home countries because they stood up or even were just seen as targets or threats for being who they are, for asking questions or for being involved in organizing or movement work. We have folks from all over Central America, Mexico, and of course, Sud America, a lot of Chilenos, Argentinos, Uruguayos, Paraguayos, Bolivianos, Argentinos, a un montón de gente de todas partes that have suffered intensely for their work, for their work to try to imagine a, a better world. Why do you think this place, Brava Theater, a place with so much history, why is it so important for people to connect the dots between what has happened in the past, in the 70s, and what is happening now? And why is it so important to have your play in the mission? This is such wonderful questions. I think first and foremost, I thought when Brava approached me about doing a play for them in their season, I felt that this was the play to present, precisely for those reasons that you mentioned, that the community there in the Mission District, will this will be a familiar story for many of them, because it wasn't just Argentina where military dictatorships were repressing the people. It was throughout all of Latin America. And when I wrote the play, uh, I mean, I I'm a playwright now, but as an undergraduate many years ago, I studied Latin American history, and that's how I learned about the Dirty War and was you know, often quite shocked that so many people in the U.S. have no idea about what was happening in Latin America during that time period, nor do they really know how the U.S. was complicit in helping to install those dictatorships, to train the people who tortured their own citizens. So I think that it's very important to capture that moment in history and to present it so that it's not forgotten. And so that people who are unaware of that history become educated about what was going on. And when, a couple years ago, when Brava approached me about doing this play, I thought of Ghost Limb as a history play, a play that was looking at a specific moment in time. But we opened this past Saturday, and we run for a couple more weekends until July 23rd. And I think it's remarkable how a play that originally I thought was about the past feels really relevant and timely in the sense that it feels like a cautionary tale of what it's like to lose your civil liberties. And we're now at a time, we have a political climate in our own country where, I mean, in Argentina, back in the 70s, people said that won't happen here. That couldn't happen here. And then it did. And so that's why I think this play now is important for all audiences, not just for those who want to remember what happened in Argentina, but for those who want to make sure that it doesn't happen anywhere else. So give us more information. Where can people find out more about this play and the run and get tickets? If you visit brava.org, you can find information about the play, uh, the specific run times, meaning we perform Thursday through Sunday. The Thursday, Friday, and Saturday shows are in the evening, but the Sunday will be a matinee. So people can go in the afternoon if they don't want to stay out late. And Brava Theater is located in the Mission District on 24th Street, near the corner of York, right there in the heart of the Mission. Maricela Treviño Horta, you are the playwright of Ghost Limb. Please tell us about the cast and director that will be putting your ideas and your script in making it reality. I'm really excited about the cast and crew and our director. Our director is Mary Guzman. 
Uh, this is our first opportunity to work together, and it's been a really great joy. Sometimes uh, productions are always uh, a challenge because you're always working against the clock, but this entire team, it's made it really, it's been wonderful. Such a talented cast. The entire cast uh, is made up of Latinx actors. So they're all here in the Bay Area, and some of them actually don't get opportunities to to be uh, the lead, Michelle Levy. Well, her name is actually Michelle Aprinia Levy. Her mother is Argentinian, but she's so fair that she usually doesn't get cast in roles that are like, like that, that are part of our cultural community. So she's when she first heard about this play, when I first told her about it, she was so excited. She really wanted to play Consuelo, the mother, in the story. And I'm really grateful to have an actor of that caliber in the role. But everyone in the cast is filled with so many amazing actors. And it's really exciting to see them do work on stage. Three, two, one. I've been speaking to Maricela Treviño Horta. She is the playwright of Ghost Limb. It premiered already, but it's only running for a short time. People can see it at the Brava Theater. They can find out more at brava.org. And um, we look forward to seeing it, seeing your play and also getting to experience community because the people that come together to see works of art at the Brava share a lot and it's a really wonderful cultural event as well. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Cusnid, and today we have a really important update and overview of what's happening at one of the Bay Area's most important institutions. I'm talking about City College of San Francisco, which right now is in a really crucial turning point. It's in a point where it has the opportunity to grow and expand and is a place where there are some classes that are blazing trails and really transforming the educational landscape, not only here in the Bay Area, but across the country. So I have on the phone with me Dr. Edgar Torres, who is the chair of the Latin American Latino Studies Department at City College. Thanks, Edgar, for joining us. Julieta, thank you for having us. And I also have on the line with us Malinali, who's been very active at City College and instrumental in pushing for some really important classes and programs. Thank you so much for joining us, Malinali. Saludos, Julieta, and thank you for having us as well. I'm very excited to be on the phone with Dr. Torres and yourself. Wonderful. So why don't we just start off with talking about the exciting news, because this is a really important time for City. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Free City College and what that means? Well, we're excited because I think we're going to see the very first time in the most recent four or five years an upward trend in enrollment, basically for a number of factors, including high employment and a lot of other things, community college enrollment has been decreasing, but we're seeing a spike, and we think it's directly related to Proposition W, Free City College. If you're a resident of uh, the city of San Francisco and a California resident for one year, you can get your classes for free. And there's even a stipend that's given if it, depending upon how many units you take. So it definitely looks like it's affecting fall enrollment. We're excited. And so why don't we talk a little bit about what is offered at City College? There's such a huge range. I think that's what's something that people don't understand, the, the magnitude of classes at the institution. So why don't you two talk to us about some of the types of experiences or learning that people could do at City College? You know, also, besides the free tuition, 
City College of San Francisco last semester has been designated by the Department of Education as a Hispanic-serving institution. So we reached the 25% threshold, which means that 25% of our students have to identify as Latino, and they have to do that for two consecutive semesters. And, and then a certain percentage of those have to be on financial aid. But that means that we can now apply for more grants, we can apply and create new, new classes, and we can try to make ourselves more appealing for Latinos, and for that matter, everyone in, in, uh, in general that lives in the Bay Area. Our classes, the classes that we offer in Latin America Latino Studies, and incidentally, we should also be talking about the fact that we now have AA-T's transfers degrees that transfer to CSUs in social justice with an emphasis in Latin American studies, with an emphasis in ethnic studies, with an emphasis in gender and women's studies, uh, et cetera, which make it easier for our students now to transfer to a CSU, but also be able to apply to a whole host of disciplines over there besides the, the degree that they're transferring in. So City College is really taking big steps to support students who are looking to transfer to a four-year institution. There are also some incredible certificates, and as you mentioned, there are these opportunities to dig deep into areas of study that maybe otherwise people, lifelong learners, would never have the opportunity to explore. Malinali, you've taken a big range of classes at City College and really invested yourself in the community. Tell us a little bit about some of the classes that you've taken that maybe shifted your worldview or gave you tools that you use that you didn't have before. Yes, I'm actually very fortunate to have uh, found my niche here at City College of San Francisco. Some of the classes that I've taken were uh, Latin American study classes, and my first class that I took with uh, Professor Torres was uh, History 18A, which is Colonial History of Latin America. And that class in itself gives you a just a, a, a taste about your community, about my culture, about my history. And so I was so, uh, I was so intrigued on the, just on the, the ventures that the, the Mexica people and the Olmecas and the Toltecs and the Mayans have contributed into my history, into my community. And so I don't think that without a structure or without this class, I would have been able to look more into depth. Uh, another class that I've taken was Introduction to Ethnic Studies, and that has been the foundation of, of my, my major. My majors are Ethnic Studies, American Studies, and Pacific Islander Studies. And with Ethnic Studies, I was able to learn about the different communities, and my goal has been to bridge the different communities because we share a lot of the same struggles in, in one of the courses, IDST 37, Intro to Ethnic Studies, I was able to, or able to find more in depth about the different struggles that face African-American communities, Asian-American communities, Native American communities, Latin American communities. And so my, my goal is to reach these communities, and that takes me onto campus as well, you know, to not only learn this, but to apply it into the community that I'm in, and in this case would be City College of San Francisco. So yes, I've taken a, a, a great array of classes, and I'm, I'm so fortunate that we have so many classes that are being offered, and that's why I feel that it's important that students sign up for classes that are going to 
help them learn something, and not only learn something, but it also be able to apply them in their, you know, in their everyday life. So this morning I was at Galileo High School and I was working with students finishing up uh, their credits in summer school. And there were a lot of students that they really, when they thought about school, they, they didn't really understand that there are so many areas that you can explore that are maybe things they've always been curious about. And some of them were also feeling like, oh, wow, I didn't realize also that there are so many classes that already have wait lists or, you know, are filling up. So when students are, are when people in general are curious about what City College offers and they just don't know where to start, what are, for you all, what are some tips or, there's a lot of people listening that maybe they think going back to school, it sounds like such a huge commitment, even if it is just to take a class or two. Um, what would you suggest for them? Well, Julieta, let me, uh, you know, this question comes up uh, with a lot of parents, especially as I visit high schools. We offer a wonderful array of different classes, but let me mention a couple of them. We teach a course called LALS-1, and it's called the Latino Diaspora, the Impact of Latinos Living in the United States. And that really fulfills a transfer class to go to any CSU, but the great part about that class is it focuses on the contributions of Latinos to United States history. So it is a U.S. history class, but focusing on Latinos. And I just want to uh, uh, talk a little bit about that class. I, it, it really does really well. It's not a class that the administration or anybody is thinking about uh, closing because of its numbers, but getting more students in that class would help us get another instructor of color in our department. So we are definitely always pushing that class. But some other classes, we're one of the very few departments that actually teaches the history of Mexico. And although I, I believe that anybody, everybody who lives in California or anywhere in the southwestern portion of the United States should learn about Mexico and, and its, its partnership with, with the United States, so to speak, it takes a very special person to teach that. It's a very difficult class. The instructor that we have there is someone who went to state to get their master's specifically to come back to teach that class. So that, that's a wonderful class. I personally love my art history classes that deal with pre-Columbian art and architecture of Latin America. And that uh, we have two offerings, one at Mission Campus where it originated, and then one here at the Ocean Campus as well. Uh, we have contemporary Latin American history classes. So Malinali just spoke about the colonial history of Latin America, but we teach at least two sections of the modern history of Latin America and many other courses as well. So I know that there are a lot of classes that are covering a whole range of issues. Like you said, there are history classes where people can learn about colonial history as well as art history and or Latin American history through art history. So tell us about some of those classes that are in that department that maybe people, you know, would be able to address things in different disciplines at the same time. There's uh, quite a few different uh, classes in the IDST department, which is the Interdisciplinary Studies Department. One of the classes that um, that needs a, a push is Asian Humanities, which is IDST 27B. And Asian Humanities covers cultures and, uh, well, it, it surveys Asian cultures. It, it talks about the Japanese culture, the Indian culture, Chinese culture, and uh, it emphasizes on literature philosophy, religion, and, and it covers the arts. That's one of the classes that, that you know, would benefit a lot of students. 
And that's one of the classes that is under enrolled. Another class that's under enrolled would be IDST 36, which is Poetry for the People. And Poetry for the People has been a popular course, and it um, it covers uh, poetry in uh, different different areas in the justice in the social justice movement. So anything from um, another uh, another two IDST courses that we're we're also um, hoping to get more uh, numbers in is uh, IDST 29, which is Introduction to Islam, and IDST 30, which is uh, demystifying the Middle East, and and we feel that it's very important, especially during this uh, this climate, political climate, that people take advantage of a course like this to to learn more about the the Middle East and and learn more about what's uh, what's really going on and not what you hear on the on the mainstream media. Another uh, IDST course is IDST four, which is ways ways of faith, and ways of faith is. Really, I haven't taken this course, but this is one of the courses that I'm signed up for the fall, which is, introduces uh, scripture, symbolic, artistic traditions of the different faiths in, in the world, such as Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And so I'm excited to take that class in particular. But like I said, it's, uh, um, it's going to be very empowering for students to take a, a course like that as well. And I know we have... Uh, we have other courses such as uh, Human Sexuality, which is IBST 17. Human Sexuality is, uh, you know, it talks about the uh, uh, gender. It talks about sex in the workplace, intersex. It talks about just different uh, subcultures and histories and, and community. And so that's a, a really important class that that um, is being offered and we need numbers to uh, increase. Uh, Latin American Latino Studies 5, which is an introduction to stats, but in, in the Latin American and Latino Studies perspective, which is focuses on, on methods um, that are discussed within the Latin American and Latino Studies community. Or communities. You, can, you can go to the City College website if, you're a, uh, if you've been separated or enrolling for the first, first time. You have to go through a registration process. Um, but uh, it's all online. It's it's uh, getting easier and easier with all the input that we're getting from faculty and various people that have tried to negotiate the various different types of registration processes. But this, but then you um, you can immediately add a class today, you know. And the only time it becomes a little problematic will be as we enter the first week of classes when then you would need to be present and get an ad code. We also have. Uh, an array of online classes too. So make sure that you go through all of the diversity departments and look for our online offerings and and uh, that would be uh, distant learning so you don't have to be face-to-face but maybe a couple of meetings during the class. And and then the, the last thing I'd like to say is there is a thread that, came, that, that ties into a great number of our classes and they're related to critical thinking and also related to teaching us different perspectives. And I think that, especially at a time right now, we often gravitate to what is familiar, but we should also be trying to learn from people who do things differently than we do them. And that's really what ethnic studies is about, is about giving voice to people who often are not heard or often have been underrepresented. And uh, so these classes 
also serve a, an important contribution to how we see one another, how we get along with one another today. That's the voice of Dr. Edgar Torres. He's the chair of the Latin American Latino Studies program at City College of San Francisco. I also have on the line with us Malinali, who is a longtime student activist and organizer at City College of San Francisco, who is deeply involved in the interdisciplinary studies, ethnic studies, Latin American Latino studies, Asian Pacific Islander studies departments. So um, it's really wonderful to hear from you both. Again, people can go to ccsf.edu and click apply now, register for classes, and they'll go through the steps. And uh, this is an important time because oftentimes people wait till August, but actually August is a little late in the sense that you can still sign up, but sooner is always better. Thank you both for, for joining me. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, and I'm Julieta Kusnid. We are lucky to have in the studio with us Eli Jacob Fentuzzi. He is part of a great project called Afro Razones. It's a compilation that's coming out that people can check out already now. It's out. And it is something that we love here at Crónicas because it is really honoring and highlighting our very essential African traditions in America Latina, and especially looking at what that feels like and sounds like in Cuba. So we are really excited to hear more about Afro Razones. Thank you so much, Eli, for joining us. It's a pleasure, an honor to be here. So Eli, this is a project that has has a lot of love behind it. Tell us about it. Oh, the momentum has been amazing. It, it started with a woman named Luna, who's at the new school. She had the idea, so she went to the island linked her up with Isnay Rodriguez, the founder of Guampara Productions, and Laura. And we, what they did is they sat in the, the studio, called up the community of hip-hop and urban music. They came together to talk about the theme of, of what being black in Cuba looks like and feels like today. And they came up with this project, Afro Razones, to present to the world. And and it just came out, like you said. Um, you can see it on iTunes or Spotify. And it got written up in the New York Times, in Latina Magazine, in Vibe Magazine. And it's going to be on OK Africa. So we're just we're overwhelmed by all the love that it's getting. And we're excited for what's next. So we're a radio show, so we're really lucky. We get to not just talk about it, but hear it. So why don't you talk to us about one of the tracks off this and tell us a little bit about the story behind it. So the single off the album is called Mi Raza, My Race, and it's by Individuo, who's from a group called Conciencia. And the track is just amazing. He talks about his influence of African culture and, of course, the African culture that came from the continent, but also the, the holders of that culture in Cuba, the Partido Independiente de Color, the People of Color Party, and, and how he represents that. Also, just as much his influence from the United States. So he talks about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And, and so in the song, in his flow, you could hear his influence. You could hear where he comes from. He talks about the religion. He talks about you hear the bata drums in the background. And it's just a great way platform to express who he is and what it means to be Afro-Cuban at this time. So let's hear that track now. 
Llevo bajo mi piel sangre que cruzó mares para ser esclavo Y la mano de aquel que clavó un puñal sobre su opresor La valentía de quien batalló contra un tirano La fialdad de Maceo frente a un fusil español La oratoria de Malcolm X, Martin Luther King El valor de Quintín, la escritura de Juan Guasberto Gómez El partido Pantera Negra junto al independiente de color Grabado los dos en el mismo pullover Soy folclore, soy llanto, soy guerra, orilla, soy canto Soy monina, soy egobio, soy heriero, soy que Branto, manto de penumbra, huellas de gloria sobre el asfalto Una de destierro y guerras de cultura me hicieron exacto Un prototipo pero igual entre los diferentes Virtudes y defectos varios como cualquier gente Imperfecto, negro, oscuro, guapo, real, transparente Orgullo de mi raza, afrodescendiente Es que soy afroman, afro, afrodescendiente Afroman, afro, afrodescendiente Afro, afrodescendiente es mi raza Si quieres subrayarlo en mi expediente Que soy afroman, afroman, afrodescendiente Afroman, afro, afrodescendiente Afro, afrodescendiente es mi raza Si quieres subrayarlo en mi expediente De cimarrón, de mambí, de rebelde y ahora de sí, De bantú, de carabalí, de yoruba, de lucumí, de negro De aceres porque soy cubano Y si mi cultura es un ajiaco Yo me identifico más con lo africano De conga, de congo, de tambor, de quiñongo, palo Mi regla es la de ocha, hipa, mi mejor regalo Soy salsa, songo, timba, el tambor bautiza mi mano Hay poeta empírico, libre artista en lo cotidiano África Bambatá puso ritmo a mi poesía El pop la melodía Y Carbonet puso el dialecto Yo el contenido Basado en experiencias mías Adornando cada verso Con la luz de mi intelecto A mí que me llamen negro Que me vean diferente Igual seguiré siendo el mismo De sangre caliente Que vive orgulloso de sí De su raza y de su gente A pesar de que mi legado Viene de otro continente Soy afroman Afro Afrodescendiente Afroman Afro Afrodescendiente Afro, afrodescendiente es mi raza Si quieres subrayarlo en mi expediente Que soy afroman, afroman, afrodescendiente Afroman, afro, afrodescendiente Afro, afrodescendiente es mi raza Si quieres subrayarlo en mi expediente Decimarrón de Mambín What did we just hear? That was Mi Raza, My Race from Individual off the album Afro Razones, the compilation album that's out now. And as we said, it is really highlighting some sounds that you would not hear off the island of Cuba. And it's really exciting. And there's a really big range on this compilation. So why don't you tell us about another track that highlights the differences? Because I think that that's something that happens in this country. You know, people have to sound a certain way. They have to fit into a box. They have to be, you know, Latin music or they're going to be country music or they're going to be, you know, hip hop or whatever that is. And they don't understand that we're human. So um, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about some of the range and highlight one of the other tracks? For sure. This next track is by Sigri. The track is called Iyami, and it's a dedication to Yemaya. And what you hear is 
the musical variety, right? This is all urban music, but this one has a really soulful feel to it. And it also has that Afro-Cuban feel to it. And it, it doesn't fit, like you're saying, in these genre categories. So check it out, and I know you're going to love it. by Sigri off the compilation album Afro Razones. So a lot of what Afro Razones is all about is kind of taking a step back and saying, you know what, we know often when people think about what it's like to be black or of African descent in Cuba, they have a really specific picture in mind. And there is the sense of just really almost like 
the U.S. and in general, the world loves to put Cuba in a time capsule. And I feel like it's almost like we don't want our kids to grow up. You know, people don't want people to change. And so I think it's people have been pretty reluctant to allow the breadth and the huge range of art that comes out of the island to flourish. Like they're really looking for a certain kind of Cuban music. So tell us about your experience talking to artists on the island. What do they feel in terms of their abilities to express themselves and how they see themselves as artists? Are they feeling like this is a time of a lot of opportunities for creativity? What are people saying? The excitement is alive and you can feel it when you get to the island. It's a, it's a time for sharing cultures, for information. The internet is new. Uh, people are getting different inspirations. So it, yeah, it's a culmination of a, a lot of different things happening. I wanna tell you the story of one artist by the name of Camarón. He was a part of the One Beat program and was able to travel to the U.S. and and see and experience some of the culture here. And when I talked to him about his experience, he told me the biggest thing that he brought back was the amazing talent all over the world. And he really, at at one point, wanted to be a, a star and, and had a lot of ego attached to that. And he said, the one thing that I, I take most from my trip is just being able to share my story. Like, I know what I'm on earth to do, he told me, and and it's to be able to make music and to share my story and that take my ego out of it. It's not about being a star. And so I think I think that's beautiful when that kind of cultural exchange could happen. I don't know if he would have came at that same crossroad or that point if he wasn't able to travel to the U.S. and experience that himself. So let's check out that song. That one is called El Viento. And he calls this music Afro-Cuban trap music. So it's like you're saying, it's, it's, it's not just uh, music of the past. They really are in touch with what's happening in the world and they want to infuse it with what they love and what they like and, and the sounds that you, they're hearing from around the world. So this is El Viento from Camarón. Desde las sabanas, atravesando valles y montañas, oxigenando el agua de los mares, despeinando el penacho de las palmas. Hoy pido por los hijos de mis hijos, por la armonía del mundo es mi alabanza. Aleja tempestades del camino. Y con tu brisa bendice mi casa Viento rudo guardián de las colinas Viento huracán no hagas mi casa reina Viento de norte, sur y de este oeste Ahuyenta el temporal que se avecina Hoy pido por los hijos de mis hijos Que la luz no se extinga en la neblina 
da vueltas la ruleta del destino Y el viento impulsa, frena y determina Viento que viene y va Que como mismo viene y va La vida empieza y se termina Manfere fun, oh yeah Cual brisa fresca o tempestad Completa el ciclo de la vida Viento que viene y va que como mismo viene y va, la vida empieza y se termina. Manfere fun, oh ya, cual brisa fresca o tempestad, completa el ciclo de la vida. Como la risa y el llanto, como el epo de mi santo, con firmes y fundamento, así se eleva mi canto, así se eleva mi canto, vuela el mensaje en el viento, con firmes y fundamento, como la risa y el llanto. Furia de huracán, como pájaro que vuela hielo alto. Así se eleva mi canto, así se eleva mi canto. Comisión de la creación, o los dumarios lo en el firmamento. Así se eleva mi canto, así se eleva mi canto. Como los días y la noche, como tambores va a estar repicando. Así se eleva mi canto, así se eleva mi canto. Como la risa y el llanto, como el epo de mi santo. Confirme su fundamento, así se eleva mi canto. Viento que viene y va, que como mismo viene y va. La vida empieza y se termina. Manfere fun, oh yeah. Cual brisa fresca o tempestad, completa el ciclo de la vida. Viento que viene y va, que como mismo viene y va. La vida empieza y se termina. Manfere fun, oh yeah. Cual brisa fresca o tempestad, completa el ciclo de la vida. We just heard El Viento from Camaro off of Afro Razones. We are here with Eli Jacob Fantuzzi. He is part of Guampara Music, which put out Afro Razones, this really exciting compilation that the truth is, if you all hadn't put it out, we wouldn't be hearing it. <laughs> it just wouldn't be out. No one would be hearing this music, which is really exciting. So I think back at you know, the 90s and even the 80s in America Latina, where a lot of the music that we were hearing that was like rock en español or a lot of the hip hop, if we think about like Maquisa, early roots of hip hop in all over Mexico, Argentina, all over the place. A lot of it was more imitation than it was creation and exploration. A lot of it was, you know, we had a lot of artists even trying to sing in English. It was not cute, but like a lot of people were really into that. And I think that often when people think about genres like hip hop, they see it as almost an imperialistic thing, especially older folks. They see it as something like, oh, people are trying to become American. They're singing this way. They're losing their culture. So obviously we know that Cuba in, has a long history of hip hop now. Hip hop's not new in Cuba. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about the life of hip hop in Cuba and for folks that see it as something imperialistic or an outsider, like this is taking away Cuban culture identity. What, do you, what would you say to that? Ah, uh, this is, he hit the nail on the head. This is my life's work, I feel like. Yeah, hip-hop has been co-opted to a way where it, it spread the American dream. And I believe that it, it, hip-hop reflects the society that it comes from. So when when you look at what's on the radio, you know, the 50 Cent 
get rich or die trying mentality is what's pushed because that's what America represents around the world. But that's not where hip hop started. And the hip hop started talking about roaches in the front room, you know, uh, Melly Mel and Grandmaster Flash and just talking about the the realities that people were experiencing. And, and, and that's also what spread throughout the world. So as an artist myself, I could say that I, I did imitate. To, to, before I created my own style, a lot of us, what we do is we imitate. We find what we like and we try to do something similar. And that's what I love about the Cuban hip-hop movement right now is they really found themselves. And now is the time that they've been able to express it in a, a truly unique Cuban way. And it's beautiful. So why don't you share with us another artist that's doing this so unique? Because I think that a lot of what Afro Razones is all about is that it is highlighting what people are doing that's their own. So this track right here is by Yeezy. It's called Afro Nietzsche. And it's a woman from Santiago de Cuba, the other side of the island is where she lives and stays and recorded this song. What's dope about the compilation is that it's half women and half men all the tracks so it's a good representation and what you're gonna hear is um she's from a group called golpe seco so you really hear that hip-hop like that hard hip-hop beat and then that sweet singing on the on the chorus this is yeezy with afro nietzsche Comparazo en la casa, afrodescendiente en la casa. Afroniche, no va a cambiar, no va a cambiar, no va a cambiar. Afroniche, no va a cambiar, no va a cambiar, no va a cambiar. Y orgullosa de mi bebé, de mi pasa, güey. Orgullosa de ser de mi raza. El calibre de nuevo en la casa, güey. Afroniche, mucho flow en masa. Hay mucha gente que está respetando. Mi boca solo que te está gustando. Aquí la negra sigue trabajando. Afroniche pa' siempre representando. Quítate, quítate que voy por ahí. Mi raíz, Lucumí, también Carabalí, sí. Los tambores están sonando en el beat. Afroniche pa' siempre, no de videoclip. Pasa cruda y con mucha cultura. Bendecida por todos los yorubas de Cuba. Negra, linda, fina. Madre, mujer, negra, latina. Coro. Afroniche. Mi calibre está en la resistencia Mucho orgullo es lo que soy de mi esencia No me frena la competencia Yo sé que tengo mucha tolerancia Cuando subestima mi presencia Suena matando toda la ignorancia Porque lo que falta es conciencia Y se acabaron todos esos tiempos de esclavitud Ahora tú respetas mi negritud Ahora tú respetas mi actitud Ahora tú respetas mi magnitud Y son mis raíces, mis ancestros Los que me llenan de orgullo
So After Razones is an amazing compilation that we recommend folks pick up because this is music that you can listen to, will bring you joy, will also give you a taste of the island that you can't get otherwise. But After Razones was more than that. It's a project. So tell us about it. So, man, the, the powerful women behind Afro Razones, I want to show so much love and respect to, especially Luna that created the, the project, um, Laura, Nati Corazon, who's been put, putting the word out on the street in a, an incredible way and just turned so many heads and hearts towards the project. And what they conceptualized, what they did was when they talked to the artists and asked what they needed, they really wanted to find out ways of distribution, right? Because how do artists in Cuba distribute their music? How do they get heard? And they want to learn how artists are doing that here in the United States. So these women flew to Cuba and put on workshops to talk about SoundCloud. How do they get on SoundCloud to talk about distribution? They talk about social networks. How do they create Facebook pages, fan pages? How do they to learn about Instagram and using their network, their social network to to get people to hear their music and to support them because there isn't that kind of industry where you could live off of being a musician in Cuba today. For that to happen, they really need support from people from the outside and they need infrastructure in Cuba to be able to share their music, tell their stories, sell their music, and have shows to, to make a living off of. Afro Razones is a huge step in this direction to see if what we do is sustainable. And if you guys support the album, it, it will, it'll show that it has that love and, and people support from the outside that would buy the compilation album and to see that that money can, through a back door, get back to Cuba and, and support people on the ground putting out this music and dedicating their lives to, to creating incredible sounds. So with your support, we can show that this is viable, that it, um, that people are interested in what's happening in Cuba. So how do people connect to Afro Razones? How can they get this music? Go on iTunes, download it today. Go on Spotify, check out the hashtag Afro Razones, and share it with your network, share it with your friends. Choose the song that you love most and play it for as many people as possible. But Eli, we also want to underline that the best way would be for people to actually purchase this on iTunes because Spotify is cool for exposure, but that's not really helping the musicians. So if you love music, you love musicians. So we always want to underline the fact that you can be getting the best music ever, but just like with KPFA, everything has a price tag. And if you truly want to see more music like this, it can only happen with you actually purchasing it. So it can go back and support the creation of new music. Totally, 100% agree. So go ahead and download that album off of iTunes. Enjoy it and share it with your people. I've been speaking to Eli Jacob Fantuzzi. He is a one of the wonderful people behind this music making. And there's also been a lot of, I think something we didn't mention was this is not just music. There are videos too, huh? Yes, um, there's a video like document of how it happened. So you could check that out on vibe.com on vibe magazine, put that one out. You can also see the beautiful photos and kind of like the scenes behind the album. So yes, get Oh, check out afrorazones.com and you get to see the artists, see their bios and read up on them. Afrorazones.com. 
So let's go out with a track. What track should we go out with? We get one more taste of Atro Razones. So what are we about to hear? I'm going to leave you with this one, a more traditional hip-hop sounding one. This is El Libro Santo de Ghetto. Um, this is from an OG of Cuban rap. He was in the group Explosión Suprema. And yeah, it's, I smile every time I hear it. So here you go. Enjoy. Rap cubano es lo que hay. Negro Prieto Rastafari. Rap cubano es lo que hay. Negro Prieto Rastafari. Rap cubano es lo que hay. Negro Prieto Rastafari. Rap cubano es lo que hay. Negro Prieto Rastafari. Rap cubano lleno de manas que manos que representamos en flow de grandes barrios a diario destruimos los comentarios de los que estúpidos contrarios cuatro elementos como el aire como el viento en los momentos de desastre desastre de los sentimientos este rap me sirve de sustento alejándome de lugares violentos sobrevivo en mi tormento casi siempre estoy contento rapeándome por dentro dale flow al panteón del corazón de los muertos en lo que el tiempo de la música que siento lo Comparto con tu cuerpo, voy bendiciendo. Si tu rap estás pidiendo, rap yo te estoy transmitiendo. Voy a darte rap, hip hop cubano es lo que hay. Hip hop, de baja man en casa. On the ground, de verdad. Real hip hop de ground del barrio a diario. Enfrentando los comentarios, negro prieto, universitario. Rapero, hot the ground, debajo de todo, de cero. Con el cuerpo y con los drelos, con los muertos. También los sentimientos frescos, como el amanezco, como el sol, como la luna, nosotros hemos sabido sobrevivir con una sonrisa, la hambruna a la una mi mula, a las dos mi reloj, a las tres mi café, los chardos con ideas, a las cuatro mi gato, tremendo arrebato, a las cinco ponme un ritmo, para que tú veas como rapeo el domingo y del lunes y me vuelvo a ver tus cinco, negro tinto, combinado con vikingo, hip hop de clown para matar Voy a los sapingos. Hip hop, on the ground, de verdad. Rap capaz de propinar la paz al incapaz del capataz Siempre te busco y allí estás como un molusco fugaz Hipo produzco para abrazar tu soledad Señor del rap ten piedad y música para la crueldad De la más dura verdad o oh, oh, que será que será si no existiera el hip hop el libro santo de Ghetto, yo lo tengo tatuado en la piel. El libro santo de Ghetto, lo llevo en la sangre, lo suelto por dentro. El libro santo de Ghetto, eh, sentimiento. El libro santo de Ghetto, como lo digo yo, como lo vivo a pie. El libro santo de Ghetto, para ti. like to announce an important event, their U.S. premiere of an important documentary on the Chicano movement will be premiering at the Roxy Theater on Saturday, August 12th at 4 p.m. Mark your calendars. After the film, there will be a reception at 518 Valencia to honor the participants of the film. The film, Symbols of Resistance, explores the history of the Chicano movement as it emerged in the 1970s with a focus on the events in Colorado and northern New Mexico. 
This film focuses on the struggle for land, the student movement, and community struggles against police repression, highlighting the significance of the Chicano movement and its relevance to struggles for social justice today. Don't miss this important film at the Roxy Theater, Saturday, August 12th at 4 p.m. The reception will be around the corner at 518 Valencia. Thank you.